The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Reforming Business Podcast. Join Gary and Nathan as they reignite your passion for God and business. Hey, thanks for joining us. This is the Reforming Business Podcast, a weekly show in which we interview Christian leaders on issues of the marketplace, economics, agriculture, really driving around the issues of Christians in business ownership. We want to equip you to effectively reform the marketplace in the United States of America and around the world. Hey guys, this is the Reforming Business Podcast. This is our fourth episode and what we hope to be many more. We we pray and hope that past episodes have been beneficial to you. If you haven't listened to those, we urge you to go back, listen, jump online at our uh, website, reformingbiz.com, and uh, enroll in our forum, sign up for our email list. All that stuff's going on. We really appreciate the feedback. We hope for more. This is going to be an interesting episode today. Uh, It's with a guy named David Goodman. David Goodman is a very interesting individual. In fact, when I got into this episode, I wasn't sure what to expect. I just had heard him through some mutual friends and heard about some of the stuff he's written about, some of the involvement he's had in Christian broadcasting and basically uh, Christian agriculture, which is really what drew us to this episode. So it's going to be interesting. It's uh, pretty critical to understand the overall theme of the Reforming Business podcast. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we talk now. I'm here with our co-host, Nathan. Nathan, how you doing? Doing good, Gary. Doing yeah. real good. Yeah. What you think uh, as we as we get ready here for the December month, what would you think of Thanksgiving? How was it for you guys? It was actually really good. We um, we had family members that I rarely get to see over, and so it was a little different, um, but it was a good different because we got to catch up and just me and my brother got to talk like we haven't talked in years. Mm. And um, and it was just, it was almost like we were reconnecting. And I think that this Thanksgiving has kind of been special in the fact that I think we're going to try to get together more often. Yeah. Which is good because it's more opportunities. I get to share Christ with them and uh, just be a part of his life. Amen. Yeah, that's great. We uh, I went into the week on Monday. Uh, the the previous week, I had a couple kids who uh, got a a bug, a stomach bug that went around, and I I was hoping it would jump over me. Uh, but come <laughs> Thanksgiving day, actually, actually on Monday and Tuesday, it uh, it hit me. I was hoping by the end of the day Tuesday that I was it was all over, and then into Wednesday I was feeling better. But Thursday it hit me with a second round and. And our son, one of our one of our sons, our oldest, hit him, and we basically had a very light Thanksgiving, which made for a lot of leftovers because we're the two oldest guys oh, in the yeah. house. So, but uh, yeah, other you than that, have those leftovers. yeah, yeah, sandwiches. right. Do you, uh, does it happen a lot? Do you, does it or does it ever skip over you, or do you always get sick when you're? You know, honestly, yeah, it does. It often, by God's grace, can skip over me and me and my wife, but. Uh, unfortunately when it hits us, it usually hits us both at the same time. Uh, this time it skipped over her, thankfully, because she did a majority of the cooking. We had planned on having some family over, but we ended up having to cancel that as well. But overall it was a pretty relaxed week and, uh, it's, uh, I'm actually looking forward to having some energy going into this week to come with a lot of things I got to catch up on, but. So you listen to the interview with David. Uh, what are your thoughts? I guess let me let me front load this a little bit. One of the overall, I guess, themes of the Reforming Business podcast isn't simply business, although that's that's the niche that we're targeting. But from a biblical perspective, it's really self-sufficiency, not in the sense that you're outside of a Christian worldview and you're living autonomous to God's word and under the dominion of his law and his truth. But understanding that we want to work more toward being self-sufficient and not relying upon other people and being able to provide for our families naturally out of the God given things that are around us, 
as one of our previous guests had stated that we're gathering resources, we're bringing those things together and assembling them together. So, so I, I, I think really this episode is for those people who are thinking about going into Christian agriculture, uh, I guess agriculture as a whole, as a business or farming and gardening and, uh, either as a hobby or becoming more aggressive in that to where they can actually provide for their family. So, if you're Christian yeah, business, yeah, go it. ahead. Yeah. Just the model of, of being self-sustaining. I mean, a lot of people garden for hobby, um, but I think for, from this show, you're going to see that you could take in a different direction. Yeah. That could be actually a blessing. It's a way, I think even the way he's put it, take dominion over the earth or the dirt and just produce and bring forth things that are going to be beneficial for you and possibly your children. Right. You know, just there's a there's more to it than I ever expected. Um and so this yeah, it was a blessing to hear him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's critical. I think it's it's really helpful in that area. So I guess specifically for those people who are thinking of going in this direction, which was the primary motivation was for uh Christians who are thinking about going into business, uh into agriculture as a business. We we were pointing this this in their direction, but it really turned out to be something that applies to everyone. How do you take the the land that you live on and take it from an expense to an asset, which is what God has called us to do, to cultivate the earth? And there are some very simple things you could begin to do to actually take the dirt. I mean, this is this is amazing. Take the dirt that's outside of my house and and cultivate it in such a way as to where it becomes an asset to my family and to my community. God has yeah. God has really done some amazing stuff with with dirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, we're we're basically uh we're going to be talking a little bit more about that. We're going to cover up some things that we have coming up on the Reforming Biz website, the Reforming Business podcast, and a host of other different projects we have coming up, so Uh, Just stick around. We'll return right after this. Hey, welcome back to the Reform Business Podcast. I'm here again with uh, co-host Nathan, and we're discussing this episode on Christians and agriculture. So uh, with that in mind, we have a lot of stuff that's coming up on the website and coming up with this podcast itself. Nathan, anything you uh, specifically want to jump in here and talk about? Well, yeah, just on that topic, I just want to encourage uh, listeners and those who are a part of our forum to just jump on there and begin to communicate with one another. Um, we'd love just to hear from you. Shoot us questions. Uh, allow other business owners to share their experience and, and knowledge in the area that you are uh, they're interested in. Even this one we're talking about tonight, um, I think it's under farming or something like that. Um, if it's something that you have an interest in, go ahead and post a question. And uh, we just want to see this thing just light up with uh, conversations that are edifying and helpful to Christian business owners or anyone interested in what we're going through. Right, yeah. One of the disadvantages about social media sites is that these comments and these threads just disappear into oblivion. There are some search aspects on certain pages and stuff, but a lot of times these things just end up buried. So part of the motivation here wasn't to create another social media network, but was to create a forum in which we can search, find historically uh, you know, indexed content and be able to go back and find that information for years to come and not have to rehash the same information or bring up the same stuff that's already been brought up. To some degree, you can go back, search the forums, find the data that you're looking for and move on from there, yeah. you know? So, yeah, uh, there's... I think one of our original yeah. visions, I think, Gary, when we talked about this a while ago, is, is, is getting business owners and like-minded Christian business owners together. Right. To be able to share with each other and meet one another and glean, uh, you know, all their experience and stuff. I, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So even on the forums, I mean, any interaction, you can email us at info at reformingbiz.com. 
That's reformingbiz.com. And just, just shoot us an email if there's a forum that's not on there out of the subjects that we have. We uh, we just started a growing list, and uh, yeah. any feedback we get on something that we should add on there, a specific niche business that you would like to interact with other believers in, jump in on there, and hopefully, I mean, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, we're not benefiting from it in any way other than just hoping to facilitate those kind of conversations and keep them in a way that's... Uh, that's that's solid remained and searchable in years to come so um, in addition to that uh, one of the things that we are currently working on if you've been to the website we have a uh, a couple different advertisements to the side one is 10 ways to reevaluate your company biblically today so uh, that's something that we're working on that's actually going to be one of the subjects of a future episode two episodes from this one we have uh, one coming up next week with john crawford from baptism isn't enough talking about covenantal faithfulness and the fruitfulness of covenantal blessings and then following that episode we're going to be talking about 10 ways to reevaluate your company biblically today and all we hope to do there is uh help you just kind of step back if you own a business things have gotten a little out of hand and you want to bring things back to square one get a handle on everything we hope to be able to be a blessing in that area any thoughts on any yeah. any of that on your end just it's something we all need to do every now and then you know especially if you know the lord blesses it and it just grows and grows and maybe can get beyond you yeah it's good to just go back to square one and reevaluate and make sure that you know you're in line with what the lord is Yep. And again, we're not we're not experts in these areas. These are areas that we are gleaning information from other brothers who have gone before us that have written really good books. We'll be listing uh, a host of resources that we're getting this information from that's been beneficial to us in our personal lives and and in in our business lives and everywhere from from doing this podcast to the the businesses that we're involved with and and uh, with some of the guests that we've had on, they've given us a lot of tips, a lot of resources behind the scenes, and we hope to utilize all of that together to come up with something that's really helpful for you, regardless of what you do. If you're a one person, let's say in a truck, driving a truck, if you're somebody that's starting a, a dairy farm, these are things that can be, I think, beneficial to us all. So, Yeah. yeah. Well, great. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to dive into this this interview with David, and we'll have all the information on David Goodman's website. He's got some Amazon bestsellers. We're going to have links in the show notes to his books and other resources. He's very accessible online, so uh, we encourage you to go to his different YouTube channels and everything else that he has out there and uh, find out more about what he's doing in the gardening and farming aspects under a uh, a very reformed Christian worldview. It's, it's amazing. This is an interesting guy. We're sure you're going to love this episode. I'm joined here. I'm I'm actually very excited to have the guest that we have today, David Goodman. He is a naturalist, a scientist, a writer of hardcore gardening. He's been growing his own own food since 1984. He's been at it since age five. He sprouted his first bean in a Dixie cup of soil and hasn't stopped growing since. David is the author of four books: Survival Gardening Secrets, Create Your Own Florida Food Forest. Totally Crazy, Easy Florida Gardening, and his bestseller, Compost Everything, The Good Guide to Extreme Composting. It's been really excited to read his background, and today we're going to be talking about agriculture, farming, uh, things along that nature. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good. I'm glad to be here. You know, I have so many questions. We've been doing a little bit background talk before the show started, and it's just prompted even more questions I guess let's just start with gardening in general. It seems as though the culture has gotten away from this self-sufficiency. And this is a business podcast. We're talking about uh, business ownership from a reform perspective. And 
that's not really just the end goal. The end goal isn't to get people to just own businesses for the sake of owning businesses. Our drive is personal freedom and not autonomous. We're, we're Christians. We're under the the sovereign rule of, of a king who is redeeming the world. And our goal here is to educate people to become self-sufficient to the degree in which God has allowed. So the segue is pretty simple. Gardening, the food that we buy at grocery stores comes from somewhere. Why do you think we've gotten further away from actually harvesting food from the ground we live on? Uh, well, a lot of it is probably buying into, uh, I mean, we've, we've divided up labor across the country into a bunch of different places. It used to be, you know, a farmer with his land at home, his wife took care of the children, she took care of the household chores, he worked the field, he brought the food in, he sold the food. Well, so it's sort of you end up with some intermediaries later. Maybe the farmer sells to a businessman who has a shipping company who takes it to the next town and then resells it for a slightly higher price. Or, you know, perhaps, you know, the, there's a, a manufacturer, once there's enough farmers, comes into town or a distributor and he starts selling tractors or, uh, you know, in the old days it might have been mules or something else. Things tend to split up. But, but there was a point in the past where most everybody grew their own food. And as you know, the Bible was written for an agrarian economy. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the very first uh, couple on earth were placed in a garden to begin with and said, tend the garden. Mm-hmm. And then man gets kicked out, and he's told, don't congregate in the cities. You know, go yeah. work your own land. Mm-hmm. Live a peaceful life and work with your own hands. Yeah. And he goes wandering all over the globe, and, you know, then they all start gathering together at Babel and, you know, reaching unto the heavens and, and getting away from the dirt. And, I mean, just just getting your hands in the soil and uh, pruning a fruit tree or, you know, planting a row of cabbages, I think connects you to our creator who put us here originally to tend the garden. And, and the more we kind of look towards making the money and getting the nicer house and doing the bigger, better, more awesome, amazing thing. Um, sometimes I think we, we get further away from the soil, and we also have really an undue amount of trust in folks that may be growing food a thousand miles away from us, and we're trusting that it's going to be safe and it's going to be healthy and it's going to get to our door on time. But if you don't know how to grow and say, um, there was some sort of a problem with oil supply, you know, a major mm-hmm. war in the Middle East or something along those lines. Uh, chemical fertilizers are being transported and often manufactured with fossil fuels. You know, so if that gets mm-hmm. cut off, you know, that thousand miles away grocery <laughs> supply line gets cut off and you can't grow your own food, you're in big trouble. Right. So, you know, for us, um, it was, it was really an economic decision because we have quite a few children and feeding feeding the children out of the backyard was important to us. Uh, it was something <laughs> we, we felt like having a bit of our own food coming in at least uh, would would keep us buffered against anything that might happen. So we just kept growing more and more and more and more year after year to the point where we don't actually have to buy vegetables anymore. We buy a few roots here and there. We buy some meat, but um, vegetable production all comes out of the yard at this point. And it's uh, quite satisfying. You know, we know that it's not been sprayed with anything. We know that it's not um, been harvested by workers under bad conditions or illegal immigrants or anything else. We know exactly who did it. You know, Mm -hmm. child labor. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been amazing for us as we've uh, before the show, we kind of talked a little bit about this is our third year gardening, and it's it's literally like a salad buffet right outside of our back door. So yes. it's, it's it's amazing just to send the kids out. They come back in, and we have a salad within seconds just from a few seeds. Yeah, and I, I've actually read that uh, greens will lose about half their nutrition within a day or so of sitting. Wow. So any of the greens you're getting from the store that have been shipped, they're often two, three, four, five days old. You know, they may have been kept nice and refrigerated and cool and moist, but by the time they're sitting on that shelf, they've lost a lot of the great enzymes and nutrition that were there if you had picked them right out of the soil and eaten them. Yeah. There's another reason. Yeah. <laughs> right out of the back door. Right. So what, at this point, you've written, you've written three books on gardening, 
You have over 20 intensive beds, over 100 fruit trees. What really drove your passion for this level of gardening? First of all, uh, it was something I, I loved to do. But then uh, as I had been working in, I was doing advertising and I was doing radio and I was um, I was pretty successful as a, as a radio producer. I, I had my name in a lot of different big projects. But a lot of what we were doing and promoting, I, I disagreed with. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of times, if you're supposed to promote something, you don't really get to say, "Well, I disagree with this." <laughs> you're just supposed to say, "This is the greatest book ever, and you need it so bad, and here's why." <laughs> and you know, I, I <laughs> this is a terrible thing. I worked um, for nonprofits, and I worked in some Christian radio, and the thing that really killed me in Christian radio once was uh, I had a contract with a client where I was supposed to get, uh, I was supposed to sell whatever they were promoting. So I was supposed to put together spots for them. And they said, hey, we're going to sell a year-round Bible, like a 365-day, you know, the Bible's broken up into parts, and and we're going to be selling this. And I said, okay, no problem. I said, how are we selling it? And they said, well, we're going to use testimonies of people that have read through the Bible in a year. I said, well, that's great. I said, where are we getting the testimonies? They said, you're going to write them. <laughs> oh. They said, we oh. need a college student. We need an older lady. Oh, we need boy. a teenager. We need a professional man. We need, And I went, oh. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, I start to realize what I'm what I'm doing and promoting it's like you know you're selling the gospel we should be giving it away for free it's mm-hmm. not it's oh, it was so appalling yeah and and I thought you know I don't want to be relying on this yeah I don't want to be relying on on doing things that are contrary to my conscience and what I believe God wants us to do so part of it was we could reduce the cost of living by growing more food mm. and by growing more food it means uh, when a contract like that comes up, it's not, shoot, how am I going to pay the mortgage? I have to do this thing that's a problem. Yeah. you know. And then later you go, wow, man, you know, you can't do it in advance and then repent, but right. you, you think about it. <laughs> 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 you know? And I, I thought, I just don't, don't want to be tied to that. So part of it was, was growing the food for the family, and that's, that's one less problematic thing I may have to deal with. Yeah. And... Um, you know, and at the same time, I thought I'm already growing, and we were we were getting better and better and better at it year after year. And I've been gardening as a hobby for years. I said, you know, if I was teaching people how to grow their own food and get their hands in the soil and praise the Creator for what He's done and what He's given to us and thank Him for it, uh, you know, by offering up the work of our hands to Him and 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 living honestly off of the soil that we've got dominion over in our yard, mm-hmm. you know, if I taught people how to do that. That's something I would have no problem with my conscience over. Mm-hmm. So I started quitting contracts for advertising and for promotion and that sort of thing and moving towards doing garden writing. And at the beginning, um, you know, nobody knew who I was. I spent a couple of years just writing articles for free and posting them all over the place and talking to whoever wanted to talk to me. And, you know, at the, at the same time, um, just just looking ahead and we had during the years that I had been working in radio saved up as much money as we could and we didn't make very much money I, I mean even when you're working for nonprofits, there's only so much you can make unless you're say TBN or something um, you know so we had saved our money and we lived on very little we lived on one car and we paid off our debt bit by bit and actually, since I had studied some economics, I was expecting a crash in housing. Mm-hmm. So we sold our properties and waited and rented. And then when things crashed, we bought in again and paid cash for a house. Mm-hmm. And that was God's provision for us because, um, you know, bits and pieces came together. We told the Lord we didn't want to be in debt for anything or, or, or at all anymore. And that if he wanted us to have a house, he would have to provide it because we didn't have enough. Yeah, And, and... My wife got a call out of the blue because uh, our our vehicle was on the fritz, and her aunt says, "You know, you can use that college fund to buy a new vehicle." And my wife said, "What college fund? <laughs> I thought that college fund was gone." And she said, "No, you can buy a new van out of it." 
she says, a new van, and her aunt sent her some listings with like $35,000 vehicles. And, uh, and my, my wife goes, how much money is in this thing? <laughs> that was $40,000. Wow. In an account we didn't know existed. And <laughs> I was very close to signing paperwork with the bank. I'd already interviewed with the bank. And it's like, well, I guess the Lord's not going to come through for yeah. it. And I was in the bank parking lot, and I went, I can't sign this paperwork. Wow. I can't go back into debt. I told the Lord, I'm going to try and trust him through this. Wow. And, and my wife said, yeah. there's $40, $41,000. And I said, we have about, you know, 15000 in retirement that we saved over the last 10 years. And we had about 20000 from selling our previous house after we killed the mortgage on it. <laughs> it was just enough to buy a house flat for 75000 bucks out in the middle of the country, you know. And yeah. And it was one of those things where you go, whoa. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not saying necessarily that debt is evil, but it was <laughs> Yeah. It was funny because we almost didn't have the faith and, and it was like the Lord waited till the last minute and said, yeah. Here. Yeah. Whew. You know. So hmm. being free of that debt made it so you're you're not always going, Oh shoot, how do I appease my boss or how do I how do I uh, you know have my conscience to get through this day of this thing that I hate and I don't like. Mm -hmm. And if the, when those chains are gone, you know, you can, you can really spend more time doing things that are, that are good and honorable, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, just overall in general, when, when you look at the spectrum of different things, when it comes to um, independence as, as a Christian family, as Christian individuals, it, it really covers every area. So from economics, you know, to, from personal debt to gardening to, to business ownership. So it's, yes. it's, it's amazing to see that the goal is really how to live your life in a way that depends more solely upon the Lord and not depend on other people. You yes. know? And so, so for instance, one of the phrases you, you used, I'd like you to flesh out a little, you said that, I had to take dominion over the soil in my yard. What does that look like? What what should that look like for for families right now that have they have five acres? I, you know, I'm looking out right now at my front window in the front office of our of our house, and we have maybe an acre in front, a couple acres in back. What what is this land for that's sitting in front of me? That's a great question. You know. One of the things that really gets me that I've written against a lot of times is is the American love of a lawn. A lawn is is frivolous, mm -hmm. and a lawn is actually a low level ecosystem. You never see a lawn in nature unless you have either frequent fires or grazing animals. Mm -hmm. If you have frequent fires and grazing animals, you will have a prairie type environment. But what nature has been designed to do is to return to a forest state. And then the forest periodically is harvested or burned and, and returns to a lower level ecosystem and restarts. And this happens over and over and again through the cycles of history. And when we have a lawn, what it is is, is saying, I have so much money, I don't have to produce anything on my land. And that's originally why lawns were created. Wow. You know, the king could afford to have servants out there on their hands and knees clipping the lawn with shears yeah. so you could have this perfect rolling green grass that produces absolutely nothing for anybody hmm. and if you were instead um, I remember one uh, investment advisor can't remember the gentleman's name at the moment but uh, about five years ago somebody asked him which stock he would buy or which investment he would make in this down economy and he said I would buy land and I would plant black walnuts. And they're like, you would plant walnut trees? <laughs> right. He says, well, you know, in 10 to 20 years, the value of the timber and the value of the nuts on a regular basis is going to beat any stock market, and it's tangible and it's real. Wow. And it's a long-term investment. If you have a walnut tree that's 50 or 100 years old, it's more valuable. Hmm. You know, so, so hmm. you look at a lawn and say, this, this, you have to consume your wealth in order to maintain this look that everybody wants. Mm -hmm. And you have to you have to go out there and cut it. You have to burn gasoline to go out and mow it. 
And if you don't mow it, people will judge you for it. You know, you go, like, oh, that guy's really a slob. I mean, <laughs> you want it to look good, but, but the fact is is that all it is is just it's, it's a liability. If you turn it into an asset by planting trees, or what I've done is actually turned my entire front lawn into edible forest. Hmm. I looked at the layers of a forest and planted canopy trees, so your tall trees, which might normally be oaks or hickories out in the woods, Depending on where you are, it could be pines, could be um, just about any species. But the tall tree layer, instead of planting, you know, le- the native species, uh, plant pecans and chestnuts, yeah. you know, or walnuts. Mm-hmm. And then the next layer of the forest, you've got the scrubbier, shorter, scrappy trees like your wild plums and dogwoods and you know whatever else may be in your local woods. You would plant something like uh, persimmon trees or plum trees, or Hmm. peach trees, or apple trees, or pear trees. So you've got your middle layer of the forest, and then the next layer of the forest, you look at the way God designed it, well, there's a layer of shrubs. So there might be some wild bramble vines, or American beauty berry, or sumacs, or, you know, who knows what else in your area. So you look around and go, well, what, what shrubs would fit that layer and be edible or useful? You know, so I planted in rabbit eye blueberries, and thornless blackberries, and gumi berries from Japan, which is another edible... And then I look at the ground ground cover layer. Normally there would be, you know, some vines or, um, you know, you've got all kinds of wildflowers and things along the edge of the woods. So I planted in gingers with edible roots, and I planted in uh, sweet potatoes to cover the ground and harvest those from around the trees. So what happens is, is over time you end up with a forest where almost every layer of that forest is edible. Even the vines you can plant, grapevines, and let them climb up the trees or plant climbing yams or you know, all kinds of all kinds of things. It really depends on your climate or what grows where you are. And 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 you have a forest that takes care of itself because God designed the forest ecosystem to be a long term, you know, multi generational thing where you can you can go out there and harvest everything from timber to wild mushrooms to ginseng. Um, you know, even make your own sugar out of maples. If you design a forest deliberately and you think ten, twenty years down the road rather than you know, right now I have to keep my grass nice, so I better go hit it with some more uh, nitrogen fertilizer, or else the neighbors are going to complain at me. <laughs> um, you've got food for generations. I mean, yeah. that that patch. Uh, there have been uh, there's a there's a short film on uh, YouTube called a it's it's like visiting a 300 year old food forest, and it's in Vietnam where the whole backyard garden was planted. Um, generations ago, something like 40 generations of people had lived there and continually planted edible or useful species. So there's trees there that are 300 years old and they're still making fruit. Mm-hmm. But we don't think wow. that way. No. You know, your grass is gone if you leave it alone. You know, if it goes, <laughs> you go through a drought or you don't fertilize it, you don't cut it, you don't cut it, the brambles come in, you know, and then acorns start sprouting. If you left the, the your land alone for 10 or 20 years, it would turn back starts to turn back into forest, you know, if the neighborhood association didn't drive you out first. But if you were to plant it on purpose, you have a generational garden, you know, that can last. And so taking dominion over the soil, I I think, you know, if you're returning it to as close to Eden as possible, Hmm. you know, God put them in a garden of trees and said, here, tend the trees. And that's all you have to do. You don't have to tear the soil up over and over and over again and and sweat so hard to, to grow your bread. And the idea is we have to work for our food, but if you do your hard work on the front end, by the time you're an old man, you've got mature fruit trees that are bringing in hundreds or even thousands of pounds where you would normally be out mowing the grass, or at that age, you'd probably be paying somebody else to mow the grass. Wow. Wow. That's great. So essentially, <laughs> it's it's taking a liability, as you said, and you're creating an asset with it. Absolutely. Wow, and even just taking, hmm. I mean, if that scares you, you know, take one little place where, you know, people go, oh, I want to plant a magnolia tree or I want to plant an ash tree or I want to plant this or that. Don't plant a tree that you can't eat. If you want a, if you want an edible tree, you know, plant something that you, you know, if you want something pretty, plant something that you can eat and then grow a few things around it and a few things around that and put a nice little landscape border on it. And that one little island of your yard has turned from liability to asset. Wow. You know, you just bumped it over. An apple tree is a beautiful tree to look at. Hmm. 
You know, so why not plant an apple tree instead of, uh, you know, putting a Leyland cypress or something like that in there? Yeah. Wow. Well, I want to I want to shift gears a little bit from our, our necessity, which which is you're helping me out in this a lot. The necessity for us to look at our our lawns, our yards as something that we can cultivate as really the, the beginning canvas of something that can be built that will outlast us. And we just don't think like that anymore. I want to yeah. shift gears to the, the individual who listens to the show and, and they're listening to the show for the purpose of, of business ownership. And when it comes to agriculture and farming in general, uh, that seems to be something that people just don't talk about anymore. Is it possible to own a business? And I, I think you've alluded to that quite a bit here, but I, I just want to hear you say it. Is it, is it possible to, to own a business that can strive, that can thrive over the idea of farming and agriculture. Yes, I believe so. And in fact, because you know they always tell you to buy when the market's low and sell when it's high. If you look at agriculture and how far you know it's come from being, you know, they'll tell you now, oh, you can't live on a small farm. You know, mm-hmm. now small farms are a thing of the past. Now, now you've got these mega massive farms, and really, instead of you know, if you go and buy a, a gallon of milk and it's got a picture of a nice little farm with a cow on the side and a chicken and you know some smiling girl with braids waving at you, if you actually saw the facility where that milk was produced, you'd go, "Oh my goodness, I don't think I'm ever gonna, you know, drink milk again." Yeah. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people have been converted to veganism by seeing what the inside of a yeah. factory farm looks like. Mm-hmm. This is—it's the opposite of taking. It's it well you know what it is it's almost as it's almost dominion at a cancerous level it's not dominion in terms of taking taking care of something for a loving creator god who gave us the space and said here you know go be fruitful and multiply it's almost like this is mine i'm going to strip mine it and i'm going to make money off it wow and so we'll spray it with chemicals and kill every single species on the property except for one species that we plant all in big blocks. So you've got, you know, 1,000 acres of corn, and the corn has been genetically modified to be toxic to certain pests, you know. So, so nothing can live on this property. The bird species disappear, and all the, the native uh, plants and animals that were originally there disappear. God, God created the ecosystem as a massively complex system of interlocking and interrelating parts that keep everything in checks and balances. And the more the checks and balances you take out, the more you have to spray, the more you have to fertilize, the more you have to weed. Um, because normally, if, if a problem builds up on one plant, there's usually a predator living the next plant over. But if every plant is the exact same plant, the pest species will just come in and they'll clean the whole thing out mm-hmm. and destroy it. So there are people that have started niche businesses of, hey, we are going to make a little farm with a pretty little girl with braids and a happy cow, you know, instead of a great big dark facility with antibiotics and genetically modified feed and all that stuff. And people appreciate it. And it's funny because even even folks, you know, people say, oh, that's that hippie stuff, you know. <laughs> the old hippies, um, despite their politics and that sort of thing, they, they like to see you know, they, they wanted to go back to the land. There was like this longing to go back to Eden, but they didn't know where it came from. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, they don't know that that's innate in our spirit to look for that sort of thing, so they never find it, you know, and they end up frustrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you see a, um, when you see a person at the, the local market and you see they've got 15 different colors of carrots and they've grown it in their backyard and you've got cute little kids that have been helping them and stuff, it's like you want to buy that food. And so a lot of food has started to relocalize, and people want to buy from the farmer down the street. They don't want to buy from far away because they're starting to see that, you know, YouTube is out there, and you can go on YouTube and look up the way things look, and you go, wow, there's a big difference, you know, from from what we thought we were getting to what we are getting. So you can do everything from a niche plant nursery where you're growing edible perennial vegetables or fruit trees, which is not that hard. You know, or even just supplying them to people by working with wholesalers and reselling. I had a plant nursery off of my property for two years, and it paid uh, a decent amount of our bills. 
but my writing took off, and it got a little hard to run a nursery and be a, a garden author at the same time, so I dropped it. But I, I could have just built that nursery and lived off of the nursery. Hmm. Um, growing uh, food organically and, you know, in a way that, that takes into account the design of nature rather than just trying to beat nature into submission and, and take what you need, uh, you know, that's, it's appealing to a lot of people. And you can kind of be sneaky about it and talk about, you know, look, it, we're sustainable and we're green and all that sort of nonsense that um, <laughs> we're used to reading on everything now. <laughs> but but you'll, get, you'll get people from both sides. You'll get, the, you'll get the big, you know, conservative Baptist homeschooling family that wants to come over and see what you're doing. And at the same time, you know, your, your local bra-burning, you know, far leftists will be like, wow, man, you really get the earth, man, you know? <laughs> right. So, and I, I worked with folks on all all sides of the spectrum, and really had a great time. Yeah. And uh, and underneath it, you know, they you know, find out I'm a crazy Christian, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really a blessing because you you know that what you have is good. Yeah, and it and rings you know of truth. It's a, it's as you said, it's an innate to our our character and our nature. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, and it's a peaceful thing to do. Yeah. Well, that's. I feel like we are literally just touching the tip of this iceberg. So if it's at at all possible, I'd love to have you on again to follow up some more practical applications of of how to start this kind of thing. Some of the things that you need to look out for. Um, so if you if you'd be willing, I'd love to have you on another time. Absolutely. Okay. Well, David, where can people find you if they want to hear more about you, read more? Do you blog? Where can people go? Yes, um, I have a daily gardening site at thesurvivalgardener.com. So if you look up thesurvivalgardener.com, that's me. Uh, my pen name is David the Good. You can find my books on Amazon. And if you look up David the Good on YouTube, you'll also find my YouTube channel. And I post a lot of videos there um, all over the spectrum, everything from grafting fruit trees to building earth ovens to... Uh, testing out tools and cooking off-grid and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I'm all over the place and and not too hard to find. Yeah. Well, that's great. I appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to talking again. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, David. Hey, we're back, and uh, again, I hope that you really enjoyed that episode. And you know, as you can tell, this interview was was not. I, we didn't know what to expect when when I first called David up. I I wasn't sure how this was all going to flow together. But after talking to David, I was more convinced on the need to have the discussions around creating a cultivated land. Uh, the reality that teaching your children how to garden is a transferable uh, discipleship aspect in which you can actually enable your own children and your grandchildren to learn how to eat off the land with with minimal effort. I mean, it, it takes some effort. And in the episode, I, I remember, Nathan, I, I don't know, I, I know that you and I have, uh, in fact, my wife and I went over to your guys' house a couple years ago and we... We all, well, really, our wives just did some gardening work for the first time, you know, back there. I don't know. That was your guys' first attempt. I, I don't recall the conversation up to that. But uh, No, our first attempt was years ago at another place we lived, and she got pregnant just around the same time, and the garden just kind of took over by itself. Right. <laughs> the only thing that survived that was pumpkin, small pumpkin. Right. And uh, this last time, cucumber right. <laughs> the right. thing that survived. <laughs> <So> we're, <laughs> we're, uh, we're still working at it yeah it's amazing though how many practical illustrations are available 
within any attempt to create a garden, you know, that, that equate to our own spiritual sanctification. So, you know, you don't tend to it, it you know, it just weeds naturally grow up, you know, so it's, there is a need to yeah, seek, you definitely. know, yeah. So, yeah. So we have been, uh, we've been gardening now for, I want to say, I, I don't know, my wife will listen to this and correct me, I, I but I'll take a shot at it six, seven years and we have two small, yeah, two small squares. You know, I, I think uh, I just, you know, put some, uh, uh, you know, just some wood frames around them. I don't know, two by fours, maybe. Uh, I think the total length was like five by five or six by six by six squares. Two of them, and we've, uh, you know, they last us all year. We we have tomatoes, um, green peppers. Uh, you know, I just a host of different other stuff. The, the fruits never seem to work out, but we definitely have enough crop to last us for, uh, she did lettuce this year, different types of lettuce. So, uh, so it was nice. I mean, we, uh, we, you know, it, it gave us the ability to walk right outside. It's right outside of our side door. So our kids go out before dinner, pick and cut and come out. And we, we always have salad every every day during the summer and it just keeps coming, you know, I mean, even after you cut it down within the next week, I mean, it's still, it's still there and you're rotating each plant. So. Yeah. See that now, I used to think that gardening, like it was, it was more of a hobby or if anything, you could make some pretty good healthy salads, you know? And it's like, when our, when our cucumbers started coming up, I was like, boy, we're going to have a lot of, cucumbers in our salad. I mean, that's all I thought about. But after listening to David, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about gardening way different now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could you could be making money <laughs> from your garden. I mean, right. I mean, he talked a little bit about inheritance and, and, and leaving knowledge and, and stuff for your children. I mean, there's just so much you could do with the land that's yours versus just having some, you know, fresh salads every day at dinner. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, yeah, one of the big aspects when it comes to um, business is that you have multiple streams of income that you don't just simply have all of your eggs in one basket. So, for instance, you know, we've talked to we we, this niche is directed at business owners, but let's just say you're you're an employee and you're listening to this. And, uh, you know, one of the goals here is that you have multiple streams of income so that all of your resources and all of your uh, I guess assets in terms of your future income are not completely contributed by your employer. So that this is a way for you. Gardening is one of many ways by which you can have multiple streams of income, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's, I mean, whether you're a business owner or not, if you're a husband and and you have children with your wife, I, like three things I usually try to stay focused on and, and I make the subject of my prayer time alive is that I am responsible to provide for my family, to protect my family, and to lead my family. Right. Yeah. And, and when I think about that, whether I own a business or not, I still should be thinking of creative ways to provide. And like you just said, there are other ways. And, and Maybe we're talking about cultivating an you know, entrepreneurial spirit, not necessarily having a business, but just being creative and how you can do those three things. Right. And, and yeah, that's a good point, because when we're talking about extra streams of revenue or income, we only always think about that in monetary aspects. But wealth isn't simply the accumulation of paper dollars. It's oh. it's things that contribute to the the actual continuation of of your health and shelter and protection, you know, so food would be one of those things. So it it could be a stream of income in terms of selling. I mean, depending on how big you want to go, but it's also a stream. It's a revenue stream in terms of that's money that you do not have to now give to the grocery store, you know, by some, some other individual that harvested and created these crops and brought them into the grocery store. And now you're exchanging, you know, the wealth that you have, the the dollars in terms of that and turning that over into crops when you can save that money and, and do it right outside of your backyard. You know? Right. Yeah. And I wouldn't call myself or even you a 
people who get too concerned about what's in our food. I mean, I do have a you know monetary kind right. of concern about pesticides and things like that, but other people care about that stuff. Right. You know what I mean? And this is a good way to do that. And I have friends who, you know, they, they're careful about what they put in their body, and I think that's good. We should right. be. Right, yeah. You know, we should be, I mean, obviously, we want to trust the Lord, but at the same time, be responsible. Right. This is just another way you could do that. Yep, totally agree. So we we'd love to uh, talk more about this subject. We'd love for you to pick it up at the reformingbiz.com website. Go to our our forum. One of the forum topics there are gardening. Jump into the conversations that uh, either are there or hopefully over time will soon be there. Uh, create one of your own. Uh, again, you can find us at reformingbiz.com. You can also uh, find us on on iTunes at the Reforming Business Podcast. Find us, rate us. The more you do that, the more exposure we get. We'd we'd love to uh, allow this podcast to reach more people and help other people cultivate a entrepreneur spirit, as as Nathan just said. So, uh, Nathan. So, thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you here next week. Thank you for listening to Reconstructionist Radio and the Reforming Business Podcast with Gary and Nathan. May you glorify God in all of your business dealings. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.